mission is to be that lighthouse, to wake people up to the more true that you are to yourself. When you discover the truth of who you are, there is so much more in that that's waiting for you than living a life according to somebody else's rules. Hey there, welcome to Jim with Jen, Empowering Your Pivot. I'm an ex-corporate girl turned chiropractor who is on a mission to help others make their dream a reality. I'll be sharing real stories from people who have made that leap into living a life of success on their terms. Making the leap isn't always sunshine and rainbows, but it's about showing you that you too can have the freedom of life you desire. So let's jump right in. All right, welcome everybody back to another episode of Jam with Jen. Today I have Rachel Poffenroth on, so I'm excited to have you. Rachel is a self-wealth expert. She helps her clients with igniting their existence and realizing their value. So they radiate joy and vibe up, vibe up to their miracle frequency. Because when you are in the flow, you glow. A little more about Rachel's background. She went from business growth consultant to athletic performance coaching after 2.5 decades of studying and becoming certified in Eastern medicine, medical intuition, past life regression therapy, and quantum mechanics. She now focuses on educating her audience about the laws of the universe with simple tools and practical steps to create the life they desire. So welcome, Rachel. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. I'm excited for you to be on the podcast too, and for us to all hear your journey. So can you share a little bit more about your story? Absolutely. So I would say that I kind of had two lifelines um, kind of running at the same time. And so it was always a lot going on in my mind and in my world. Um, the As a child, I was raised by Uh, predominantly by my dad, who was a single dad, he was a farmer. So we lived that feast famine kind of lifestyle. And the only other sibling I had was my brother. So I was very dominated by male energy uh, growing up. And I learned how to work like a man. And that's how I was raised. I wasn't raised to be, you know, I get to be the cute one in the house. I was out there doing all the work of driving tractors and fixing machinery And so that felt natural to me to be in a man's world. And so Mm -hmm. right out of high school, my desire was to go into um, med school to be an ER surgeon. And, you know, the universe has other plans. And so I got pregnant with my beautiful son and decided I had him up for adoption. Actually, after two days in the hospital, I decided that, no, he's coming home with me. This was this was meant for me. Um, So. Then I tried again to be in another male dominated industry. And I went into finance, the world of finance and became president of a financial company. And again, the universe was like, nope, nope, that doesn't work for you either. And uh, I started noticing that there was discrepancies with the, some of the board members. They were, you know, hiding money in offshore accounts. And I asked questions and walked into work one day. And all of a sudden they said, you know, we don't need you anymore. I was like, whoa. Okay, well, how about that severance pay? Because this was my world and I had built that up, right? And Mm. then I went into, and every time I'm doing this, I'm trying, I realize now I was trying to get that validation that I was looking for from my dad. He was a very emotionally um, closed off and so wasn't really generous with his emotions, but I was always searching for that. And even in my relationships, I could see a trend. 
So then after the financial services um, incident, then I went into owning a roofing company, which is another male dominated industry. And yes, I could do all of those roles very well. But at the same time, the universe kept going, no, 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 this isn't what you're here to do. Yes, you're trying to live according to somebody else's map, but it's not a fit for you. And it wasn't until I was finally like, okay, I don't know what to do. I mean, everything I'm trying with my logical mind to do what I think is the right thing and any of my shoulds, I'm trying to live them out and they're not living for me. So then at the same time of having that lifeline going on, then I also had that desire to be a healer. And so I went through quite the journey over the last few years of trying to help people in different areas. And you mentioned at the beginning, yeah, part of my past was I worked with um, elite athletes doing mindset and performance coaching. And then I went into doing business consulting. And what was interesting in both of those and in my own life, it was very reflective of my own life, was that all of those people, most of the like high level executives who are making, you know, really good money, the the kids who I was working with that were actual amazing athletes, and they could, you know, whether it was in hockey or track or rugby or whatever it was that they were working with, they were always motivated to do what they were doing and to excel by external forces. It was always Mm. some part of their childhood that they were trying to integrate or resolve or live out that they never felt that they were enough. Well, at the same time, what was beautiful was that it was also a reflection back to me about my beliefs about myself. So I had both of these two lifelines running at the same time, which has then culminated to create where I'm at now And the realization when I woke up and realized that it doesn't matter what I do, if I don't believe in myself, if I'm not willing to live out what I feel is true, it's always going to have a feeling of deficit or a feeling of like, I'm not good enough, that feeling of being imposter, that feeling of not belonging in the world that I was trying to create. So that was, that's kind of the brief of my background. There's a whole lot more that goes, yeah. I mean, things went sour for a few years. And that was because I was refusing to see what I needed to see, but being able to wake up to the truth of what is there, what was being presented to me in the calling, I kept telling my kids, you know, this is crazy. I don't kind of understand everything that's going on here, but the greater the challenges always means the greater the calling. And so now because of all the challenges I've had, I'm able to identify with people on so many different levels. And for that, I am so thankful that I can relate to people's challenges and then also help them to see the light and to see the way out of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love this because the fact that like you tried to push forward in a very much like masculine field um, or like masculine energy and the universe just kept saying like, no, 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 we have bigger plans for you. Yeah. Um, so thankfully you were able to like, after a while, like listen to that and see that there was, there was something else, um, out there for you instead of continuing to push forward in that, that type of field. Yeah. And you know, what was interesting is that there was always a level of satisfaction when you, you know, succeed in that, mm-hmm whatever realm I was working in, there was a level of satisfaction. But the difference between how I feel now, the way I wake up every morning, the way I go to sleep, the fulfillment that I feel in my life compared to that kind of, it was like, it felt okay. It was like getting Mm -hmm. into the kiddie pool, right? It it feels okay. 
But if you really want to swim, you got to get into the pool, the real pool, the deep end, right? And that is the fulfilling part of life is to really be able to swim and be in your element. And so now that I'm in my element, I wake up every day and I'm just like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> what do I get to do today? <laughs> I love this. I, so I'm reading the book right now. I should say I'm listening to the book, um, The Big Leap. And it talks about like your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. And like, after you said that, like how you wake up every morning, it like literally resonated right back to the book of like living in your zone of genius. It is. It's so true. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I wish I could just take what I feel and put it in a bottle and just give people just a drop of it. So they realize what is missing out of their life. And then they go on the search for that because so often we're searching for that without knowing what that is. Mm-hmm. But if they could just give them just a touch of it, just like a taste, and then they're going to be like forever looking for that when they find it, they're going to know what it is. Right. But um, I, I really, my mission is to be that lighthouse, to wake people up to the more true that you are to yourself. When you discover the truth of who you are, there is so much more in that that's waiting for you than living a life according to somebody else's rule standards or moral code that of what they have you know and tried to instill in you or tried to force upon you now you get to have your power becomes ignited when you live in that truth yeah I would recommend people just like rewind for like the last like 30 seconds and like re-listen to that if you are unsure if you're living in your purpose because yeah, that was, that was good. Um, as you made like the pivot into what you're doing now, did you have, um, like a support system or any critics that were kind of like telling you what you should and shouldn't do? Um, did I have a support system? I believe that the universe always does bring at least somebody in to kind of be a light. I didn't have anybody directly, not a physical person. I was always, you know, there's the saying that when the student's ready, the teacher is available, right? The teacher is provided. And thankfully I was guided to the right books or the right, um, I don't know if you call them a guru, but inspirational person at that time, because I was raised in an incredibly religious family to the point where I went through 18 years of Christian schooling. And, you know, like it was just, this is life and out anything else anyone who disagrees with us is wrong and when i started to dig into some of the philosophies and the teachings i could start to see for my own self that this wasn't the truth i wanted to accept for me so then that became my journey of searching for what is true for me um with that though that would i would say that that was my biggest critics was my family And they are very anti-confrontational, thankfully. So they didn't get in my face about it, but they also danced around a lot of subjects where we wouldn't talk about things because we're very close family. We have a Mm -hmm. lot of family reunions. And so there was times, yeah, where I, when I was starting to get my feet wet with, you know, it's talking about things in a certain way, there was times where we, conversations would come up and you could see the conversation would just end because they didn't want to get into it. They didn't want to hear my side of it. They didn't want to have to try to protect their side of it. And I didn't feel it that way that I was going against what they believed. I felt that I was just taking some of what I believed was true from what they believed, but also creating my own truth from that also. Um, And then the 
my biggest critic usually was myself until, you know, <laughs> a few years ago when I finally dealt with that one. Um, but my second biggest was my ex and we were together for 10 years. We had two kids together and he, he was not supportive. I think a lot of it is because it awoke things in him that he wasn't ready to have you know, realized or to have seen. And it really created an atmosphere of tension and um, other issues. But I remember one day him saying to me, don't talk like that. People will want to put you in a straight jacket. And so, yeah, so hard. Yes. But so important because for me to grow out of that religious upbringing, for me to actually be able to speak my truth, I had to find my strength. I had to root deeply in the midst of that so that when I get out into the world, if I was to have critics, it wouldn't phase me. It would just be like, okay, I've gone through way worse. I've got this. So to me, it was a training ground. And actually his name on my cell phone, like I, we're friends now, but his name on my cell phone is teacher because he taught me so many things about myself He awoke me to so many aspects of me that I wasn't believing were true about myself. And every time he would say stuff, I would finally start questioning, especially near the end and go, I don't, I don't want to believe that about me. I don't, you know, that might be your perspective of me, or that might be the way that you see me in this situation, but I don't choose to believe that that's true. And so that gave me a really good ability to go this is true for me. Am I going to accept his opinion of me or am I going to still continue to live what I believe is true? So it was really, it was a, it was like, um, you know, kind of how a diamond gets shaped, right? Like that yeah. constant friction. Yeah. So that's what I created. And I'm, I am thankful for it. And we talk about it now and, you know, we're open and we're honest with each other and we're able to say, okay, I'm sorry. This is where, it's, where I went wrong. Right. But, and, but the, the amazing part is that I held, space right for him to become the highest version of him mm-hmm. but I had to go through my own healing of not judging myself not being self-critical to get even you know to that point so yeah I think that there is a place for people to be critical because it is a reflection it is a mirror of what we're believing about ourselves and so it's when we are in those situations it's a wake-up call to go hmm I do believe that a little bit about myself and that's why it hurts. So how can I work with that belief in me so that it no longer is being reflected back to me in my relationships? Yeah. And I mean, likewise with that, like, have you come up finding yourself critiquing somebody else? Like, why, like, what are you doing with, like, why are you doing that? Like, what, why do you feel held back to? Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. What we do to others is what we're doing to ourselves. Everything on the outside is a reflection of what's inside. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, people don't like to hear that. Honestly, there's a lot of clients I work with that are like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but, and I didn't Mm -hmm. want, if somebody would have told me that, you know, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to accept it because it's very much like, you know, when you see a dog and it sees their reflection in the mirror and they start barking at it because they don't want to see it. Right. But if you can just suspend the judgments of, I don't believe that person saying that is true right now and just go, okay, I'm just going to play with the idea. I'm going to experiment with it and see if possibly it could be true. Then you start to realize 
it's actually one of the most amazing guidance systems that we have in our lives. And by ignoring it, we're ignoring something that can help you avoid crazy uh, situations that you don't want to walk into anyways. And so as we learn that and we learn how to listen to that emotional guidance system as well, we are totally always, always being guided. And it's up to you, you know, if you want to listen to the guidance or it's up to you if you want to keep on you know, going in circles like I did for years and keep going through the same situations. I call them holding patterns. You know, we just keep experiencing the same situation over and over. And if you're noticing a trend in your relationship where it's, I keep attracting the same people, why do I keep doing that? You know, look at what is being shown to you because it's happening for you. Now, everything has happening for us always. Yeah. So how, um, how do your emotions, how are, how are like your emotions messages to yourself then? Okay. So for me, what I teach, I love, this is one of my favorite subjects because it is like, we all search for freedom in our lives. That's Mm -hmm. why we do everything. We go to work so that we can go for a vacation. So we have the money to buy the things we want because that's what our experience of freedom is. Right. And when you're in um, a state of being coming aware of your emotions, you start to realize how they're actually guiding you. So if you're feeling happy or lit up or excited about what you're doing, you are in alignment with who you are, with who you your higher self knows that you are with who you've always desired to be. We know who we are when we're children. If you ask somebody, what do you want to be? you know who you are, you know what excites you and what lights you up. And it doesn't change. What happens is we get told as children, no, you're wrong. And you get told it all the time. I'm full. Nope. You keep eating. I need to go to the washroom. Nope. You can wait. I'm thirsty. Okay. You can wait. You know, like we're told all the time. No, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And it's always based off of somebody else's moral code, somebody else's desire for you, what is convenient for them. And it's amazing. So then we go through our life thinking, okay, I'm not actually hungry. I'm not actually thirsty. I don't need to go to the washroom. I don't, you know, like we just stop giving ourselves permission to be us because we're so conditioned to believe that we're wrong that our thoughts Mm -hmm. are wrong, that our desires are wrong. And we don't seek after that anymore. So for me, I learned how to be emotionally shut off. And so this, when I got to explore my emotions, when they, I opened up and they finally started coming back to me, then I started really start. It was kind of like a blind person who gets their Mm -hmm. sight back. I was just like, Oh, that's what fear feels like. Well, that's what, what is this? You know? And they're all, they're just, you know, we're energy bodies. So they're all just energetic sensations. And it actually flows through us in 90 seconds, unless you attach something else to it. So a feeling is when we attach a sense of I to it, right. Of an identity of who we are attached to that becomes a feeling. And then it becomes a judgment and a thought and a belief. And it goes off of, you know, keeps rolling, or we can just go, Oh, that's an interesting sensation. We don't need to actually label it. But what I tell my clients is if you feel something is you feel a heavy energy, right? Let's say fear. If you're feeling fear, what fear is, is an invitation for you to look at something that's unresolved in your past, something you've attached a, a, a feeling uh, to your identity saying that there's something wrong with me if I sense this. And so what happens is fear pops up and we get afraid of actual fear. 
instead of going, there's a message here. There's something I haven't resolved. And so then when we look at like, to me, I don't really identify it as negative or positive feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what lights me up. What's not or like what's dragging me down. Right. And it's just, we can sense these different expansive energy and contractive energy. And so if you're feeling contractive about something, you're probably believing something that isn't true for you, or you're moving into a situation that isn't true for you. So whenever I'm working with clients to try and get them, it's a muscle and it's a muscle because we have to strengthen it. We're taught as children not to listen to it. And so we have to start garnering it. So to foster that and to grow that muscle, I encourage people to set aside, intentionally set aside 15 minutes a day to do things that light you up. Because what happens is a part of you becomes unearthed. A part of you begins to wake up to that actually feels really good. And the more you can feel the difference between what feels good and what doesn't, the Mm -hmm. more you want what feels good. And you start going more towards that. You start calibrating to that and your desire for more of it grows. And so then you start heading in that direction instead of heading in the direction of trying to constantly override with our minds of, no, I, well, I want that, but I was taught to go this way. And so then the freedom opens up when we start going, I enjoy this and this feels really good. And I'm just going to savor this for the next 15 minutes. And then you open up a whole new world, a whole new world of possibilities actually opens up once you're in that space, because now you're in your heart space, not your head space. And your heart can lead you to magic and miracles. That's way beyond anything that we can ever comprehend. We have no idea the gravity of what's available to us until we begin to step into that. And all of a sudden you'll wake up one day and you'll be like, okay, you know what? This job that I'm at is not a fit or this relationship is not a fit. I don't wake up happy and excited to do it every day. There is something that is in higher alignment for me. And it's interesting because for me, I had to go through different relationships of up-leveling where one relationship was like, they didn't talk very kind to me. The next relationship was, oh, he, it's possible for people to talk kindly to me. Right. And then I had to open myself up to, okay, it's possible for, you know, whatever the next evolution was of that. And I I believe that we, the universe knows that it knows that you can't just go from, you know, being in the stagnant place to being completely where we want to be. And so it's always a process, but we have Mm -hmm. to be willing to be led. And the best way to be led is just to follow your highest excitement, follow your bliss, follow your joy every day. And if, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. If you do it for 90 days, it becomes a way of life. And so I encourage people print off that calendar, make a commitment to yourself because you deserve it. 21 days of 15 minutes a day, I get to experience me and what lights me up. I mean, 15 minutes is nothing, but it, yeah, life-changing promise. It's life-changing. <laughs> it's and it's 15 minutes is literally nothing like it is. I, I mean, when I work with patients in the office, like, I'm like, you need to like stretch or do exercises or do something, give yourself 15 minutes. If you don't have 15 minutes, then like you have, you're not giving any time to yourself at all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, I like, I don't know where I had heard it, but it was like, you know, if you don't have 30 minutes to meditate or whatever, then you need probably need to do it for an hour 
because <laughs> you need to practice it more than anything. But um, yeah, 15 minutes is awesome. And it doesn't take that much time. Set a timer and do things that bring you joy. I love that. Yeah. What, it, you know, it can be painting or singing or it's, it doesn't have to be that you have to go to do anything. Mm-hmm. It can be meditating. It can be journaling. It can be, maybe you're a writer and you want to write a book 15 minutes a day. You're going to get that book written eventually, right? Whatever it is that lights mm-hmm. you up, do that for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, so I, I'm just going to put this up there because I usually go through like a bunch of different questions, but then I had seen some of the things that like topics you talk about and I was like, oh, this sounds so much more exciting than like some of the things that I ask. So I'm like, I'm just going to dive right into your, like not your questions, but like your topics that you had, had sent over. So I'm like, yeah, mainly because just curiosity for myself and like how you work with people, but um, what effect does unfinished business have on your life? Oh, everything. Um, so with unfinished business, that's anything, for example, say in your past where you are angry at somebody or you're holding resentment towards them. It's whatever it is that you are harboring within you, mm-hmm. like we've talked about already, it always comes out. So when I talk about this, I usually share this story because people really get it. Like there was a, I think it was about six years ago. We thought we planned to garden. We had this big, huge garden plot and we were in a really um, drought, windy kind of area, but we thought, whatever, you know, other people have gardens, we can do this. So I went out and, and rented the rototiller because I grew up on a farm. I know how to do this stuff, right? I wrote, yeah. did the yeah. rototiller, get this clay soil because all we had was clay. Um, get it, you know, loosened up a little bit. It was still pretty chunky. So I brought in topsoil. Um, and then, you know, we plant everything after you put the pretty stakes out. And so everything looks good, but nothing is growing. So we, this is when I own the roofing company. So I'd work all day on the roof and then I come home and water our behemoth yard, which was grass everywhere. It was like an acre of grass. And then this plot. So I spend my whole evening watering, watering, watering. And of course it becomes a year on record of heat. And so nothing is like, it's evaporating literally as soon as it's coming out of the sprinkler. And as time's going on, we're noticing that nothing above ground is surviving. So we're like, okay, well, at least the stuff that's below ground should be okay. And finally, after about like five or six weeks, we finally just kind of put up the white flag and surrender to the idea that we're not really good gardeners, especially in a drought area. And we have way too much stuff going on in the summer to be gardeners, but there still looked like there was kind of life with carrots and there was kind of life with potatoes because they were on, you know, below ground. So we thought, okay, well, we'll make a dinner. We'll plan this whole thing. The kids are all excited. We get to have garden fresh carrots and potatoes. And so we start pulling up, like this is right at dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a meat eater, but um, my kids and my family are, so they've got this, you know, steak on the barbecue and stuff. And we're pulling out the carrots and they're like the size of my pinky finger. I'm like, seriously, after all that water and all that work, I got pinky finger sized carrots. And then, so we're like, just ditch that idea. We're like, this isn't even worth the effort to dig these things up. They can just stay in the ground. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we got potatoes and we start digging them up and oh, they're cute little baby potatoes, right? Still tiny, but everybody yeah. loves baby. Potatoes. So we're, we're all going for it. And the kids are in there pulling out these cute little golden gems and then we boil them 
and dinner's ready, right? I make a salad, we're sit down. My, I, my oldest daughter played rugby. So she was a carb lover and she was a machine when it came to eating because of the amount of calories that she was burning off, loves potatoes. So right away, she sees a potato, she throws it in her mouth and she looks at me and she's like, mom, what is wrong with these things? And I started laughing and I'm like, oh, you know, you're just being silly. Just put some more sour cream or whatever on them. Yeah. Mom, seriously, you need to taste these things. They're horrendous. And so the, all the kids are like curious now, right? So they all taste it and they're like, no, can I spit this out? You know, like asking for permission to spit it out. I'm like, what is wrong with these things? So I finally sit down and take a bite. And I'm, I, I could taste it. I could taste what they're talking about. It was kind of like a, a very pungent flavor. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering in my head, I'm going through my mind, like, what did I do wrong? And it finally clicked that. I could taste a little bit of pine flavor in there. And so I was like, oh man, those trees, we had six big pine trees that were as tall as our second story house around this plot of the garden. And they had been shedding their needles into the ground. So when I went through with the rototeller, all I did was grind all this stuff up, right. And release that into it. So there is nothing I could have done. There's no layers that I could have put on that would have made it better to dilute it. Right. And so this is Mm -hmm. most of the self-help industry that, you know, they say, we got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this, right. Get your, do your affirmations, do your vision boards, do your meditation. You know, are you doing all the things? Um, And that's not what my garden needed. And it's not what we need either. It's, we don't need more on our to-do list. What I need, because what was there, right came out that flavor, that essence permeated Mm -hmm. the experience of the potatoes. And that's what happens with us. Whatever it is that we believe about ourselves is what comes out. And so when we have unfinished business, we are believing something about ourselves. We're believing that um, this happened to me, or I was a victim of this, or someone, you know, took advantage of me, or which would mean that you have to believe that you're able to be taken advantage of, right. Or you have to believe that you are a victim Mm -hmm. for someone, for you to believe that someone could even do that to you. And listen, I've had my own situations with undesirable experiences. That's what I call them. um, Where somebody would consider what I am a victim. And I actually just had this conversation with my fiance the other day. And he's like, you know, when I think back to that happening to you, I get angry. And I said, don't because That means that you're pigeonholing me to being a victim and I'm not a victim. I attracted that situation because I felt powerless. And so I attracted more situations that would awaken me to my feeling of feeling really powerless, but I'm not powerless. It had to happen to wake me up to realize where my power is. So wherever it is, where we have unfinished business, we've also hooked into it with a judgment about ourselves. So a lot of times with trauma, it's a judgment of shame that there was something wrong with me for that to happen to me. But when you wake up and it doesn't feel good, like that's, again, that's the emotional guidance system. It does not feel good. When you wake up to the truth of who you are, that you are such a powerful creator that, and the universe cares so much about you that it's going to continue to bring you experiences to wake you up so that you can become the most evolved version of you, the most powerful version of you, when you Mm -hmm. wake up to that, 
then all of a sudden these situations that happened, you see them in a new perspective. And so now, you know, if my garden used to taste piney, now it would taste like love. It would taste like I, I now realize my power. I now realize my, you know, worth. I realize my value. And because of that, everything I put out in the world, it has a different flavor. It has a different essence. So whatever it is that we believe about ourselves, and that's always shows up in unfinished business, right? Like forgiveness Mm -hmm. is releasing the idea that the past should have been different than it is. It's not really saying, oh, I forgive you and I'm going to forget and I'm going to see it differently. It's just saying it happened. It did happen. I'm definitely not denying it happened. And I'm definitely not denying that it brought up things, feelings, emotions for you. But what perspective do you want to take with it? Right. We look at um, like even today when I do my weekly live, what I'm going to be talking about is a coin. A coin has two sides to it. And so you can look at one side and when you're looking at that side, you can't see the other side. So when you're focused on one side, one perspective, you're unable to see the other side, but the other perspective is always available to us. And that to me is forgiveness. It's looking at that coin and going, there's a problem here, right? I don't like the way that that happened to me or flip the coin over and go, that was a growth moment. I did grow through that. I became stronger, wiser, you know, more intelligent, more aware, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can take anything with like that could come up negative in your life and switch that into that growth mindset or how, how did it, why did this show up in my life and what were, what did I learn from it? Yes. So, or what was available to be learned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you don't want to accept it as your learning moment, there is, we can just acknowledge that it was a learning moment. What could be learned from it? Do I want that perspective? No, I still want to sit in my angry swamp and I'm going to be fine here for a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah. What do you, um, what are some of like the biggest pitfalls that, that people have when they're trying to accomplish their goals? Doing too much at once. People, like we're conditioned to overwhelm ourselves all the time when it comes to goals. And we pick mm-hmm. goals that are unattainable because we feel that we, we are undeserving or we're unworthy. And so we will search for a goal that will validate feeling unworthy and undeserving. And it just continues to perpetuate the cycle of, yep, see, I knew, I knew I was unworthy. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew that, that my life is not, you know, going to be as amazing as I want it to be. I know that my, my life is limited and I am, you know, lower working class or mid working class or whatever it is. Right. So whatever that label is that we define ourselves at, it continues to perpetuate even through our goals. And so you see on um, new year's resolutions, you know, people go out and they, I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year and I'm going to make an extra $30,000 a year. And I'm going to do this. And And they're like, you know, starting to uncover all these different areas of their life. And what Mm -hmm. happens if the universe goes, okay, you want to lose, you know, 30 pounds this year. Well, what kind of person would you have to be? Let's uncover all those beliefs about you through different situations so that you can look at them and see that these beliefs are there. And then Mm -hmm. it brings it to you in symbols through experiences. And then we go, oh, 
why is all this coming up? Never mind. I'm just going to go eat because it feels better than trying to fight through this. Or same thing with money, right? Our money beliefs will come up and we'll have situations or experiences come to us as an invitation to look at them and go, okay, I see that belief. But what most people do is they just back off. And so mm-hmm. to me, when I'm helping clients set goals, I explain ahead of time, there's three phases. So there's a phase where you're excited about what you want to create. That's phase one, really easy to get into. It's, you know, it's in your mind, you can picture, you can imagine it. Phase two is when all that stuff becomes unearthed and it becomes unearthed because you can't become the person who makes an extra $30,000 a year if you are holding onto a belief that you don't deserve it. So mm-hmm. we have to let go of that belief. And so the universe goes, I'm just trying to get your attention here so you can let go of it. But instead we get freak out and we back off. Or you can go, uh-huh, I see that belief. It feels kind of yucky, but I'm going to work with it for the next few days. And then you get into stage three where it's like, okay, now I can see all this magic and miracles coming into my life because I let go of the belief that was causing drag that was holding me back. And now I feel that freedom to move forward, to create and be that person. And so it's not so much that you're being challenged on your beliefs, but it's more that you're being awoken to the beliefs that are holding you back because absolutely it wants you to become that it wants to support you and validate that yes you are this magnificent creator yes you can create the life that you desire but we have to move through that phase two first where we let go of what is causing drag what let go of what has not let us get to that point already and so that's what phase two is all about and if people can go i see this i feel it i'm not enjoying it but I am learning right now. And then they start sifting and sorting it kind of like, you know, if you went to goal goal panning or something, right. And there's a little bit of a shaking to get this, the silt to come out, but the gold mm-hmm. remains. That's what phase two is. And usually it's not just a day or two. Usually it's a couple of weeks, depending on how big your goal is. It can be a couple months. And that's why I suggest to people start with you know, smaller goals and understand that rhythm of phase one, phase two, phase three. And once you get into that rhythm, you start knowing what to expect. And so when it comes up and you're having a day where you're just so frustrated and angry with everything, and then you can step back and go, okay, there's messages here. I'm seeing a trend. Nothing seems to be going my way. What is the message? And then what comes up is, Hey, you're believing something about yourself that isn't true that you need to let go of if you want to become that person who, whatever it is, who loses 30 pounds in a year, or that person who gains an extra $30,000 in income, or that person who moves into a new house, right? We all, it's a, it's a process of evolution, especially if you're going through a big jump, but we have to be aware of the steps. And so I will tell my clients, let's make you know, you got a year to make this goal happen. So let's break it down into 12 baby steps. And what would that like, it's all about who would I want to be? It's not about I want to have this. Because when we work in that having realm, it's Mm -hmm. so dense, you're working, it's like literally chipping away at an iceberg. It's dense, it's hard, because we're trying to deal with stuff that's already been created. And we're trying to create momentum and stuff that has kind of a stagnant energy to it. 
So then the next level up is a doing energy. And this is where most people get stuck. They're like, well, I'm doing all the things, right? But even when you get into the doing world and you have these to-do lists and you think, if I just do this, this, and this, I'll be able to have that, right? We think it's a mathematical equation. But what happens is even in that doing world, it's kind of like a stream. It has banks on either side. So you're still in a bit of a confined ability to move freely and you're still looking for validation or response favorably from outside sources whether it's your boss or it's your relationship or whatever it is there's still kind of those banks on the outside of the river and where I help people to realize their most power comes in from the being state and when we just focus on who would I want to be to become that person right what what would that person be like? What would their energy be like? What would their um, priorities be like? And when you're in that being state, it's kind of like vapor or like steam where there's a freedom to move freely and you can create yourself one way one day and then you can create yourself a different way the next day. And there's no failure at that. It's every day as an, ex- an adventure and experience. It's like when you go to a new country, you can't fail at going to a new country. You're going to go there. Like if you go to visit, right. For a holiday, you're going to go there and you're going to enjoy the foods, the different scenes, the uh, entertainment that's around you. You're going to see it as an adventure. There's no failure in that. And if you approach your goals in that way, that there's not a, a fail or, you know, whatever the grading system is that you're used to, there's not a fail or a succeed system. It's just, here's the adventure. Let's approach each day with this mm-hmm. sense of adventure of this experience and see what comes through, through that experience rather than I will only be happy if I lose 30 pounds, right? It's like, let's work on who would I have to be? What are these baby steps? So for this month, if I want to lose, you know, be that person who's lost 30 pounds. So I want to be a 30 pound thinner version of me. What would I want to be like? I probably would you know, I probably would exercise if I was that person, I probably would, you know, that person probably would eat a little bit healthier. Maybe that person would cut out pop, you know, so that's for one month, right? The 21 Mm -hmm. day habit rule, let's for 21 days, cut out pop and drink more water, you know, at just baby, baby, baby steps, because that way, we're not having our whole world shook up through that sifting phase two process, which everybody quits you know, yep. their new year's resolutions by the end of, by the end of January, because yeah. they hit phase two and they all back off and whoa, 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 wait too much is going on in my life right now. Too many fires to fight. But if you just do baby steps, then you're able to go, okay, I'm going to become this person. And the beliefs that are going to, that aren't going to support me are going to come up and I'm going to see them. And I'm going to watch for those to come up. So I'm going to see them and I'm going to work with them. And I'm still going to become that person who I choose to be. Yeah. I love it. Um, I think that's like a huge takeaway too. you know, understanding the different phases and um, setting like huge goals and not feeling like a failure because you didn't accomplish those goals. But- right. It's just an experience. That's all we're here for. It's just for the experience. Yeah. What do you think has been the most rewarding working with some of your clients? I love the light bulb moment. Yeah. Which usually looks like tears, but I tell people, don't worry. Tears makes your cheeks sparkle. It makes you pretty. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's usually what it looks like is like 
all of a sudden you'll see that truth just hit them and awaken that part in them that's been wanting to be heard for so Mm -hmm. long. And so for me, that's the most rewarding, whether or not they do anything with it. I love that glimmer of, of enlightenment, of reconnection to the truth. And they go, oh man, that is exactly what I've been searching for. And some of them will do something great with it. And some of them will just, you know, evolve slowly. And that's okay. We're not here to win a race. There is no award at the end. It's just each day you're being asked to grow, to evolve, to, you know, enjoy the experience, to find out what's true for you. So for me, that's the most rewarding is just seeing that glimmer of reconnection to what is true. I love it. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for probably hours about all of like the energy and stuff like that. Um, but do you have any good recommendations for books or podcasts to, to listen and learn more? Ooh, um, well books, the most life-changing book for me is a course of miracles, um, doing the workbook because especially you know, the first five lessons, I love the way that it's written. I love that it gives you a lesson and then it helps you. It encourages you to practice during the day. Mm -hmm. So it, and it really just strips everything you thought was true and says, you know, the first five days is, um, nothing I see has any meaning. And I really have created all the meaning that I see, you know, it's like these kinds of thoughts and you start going, I really did create all the meaning that I see. Like, you know, you you think back to um, Ariel, right? In The Little Mermaid. And she picks up a fork and she's calling it a dingle hopper. And it's like, we have labeled things and we're so fixated on our labels of everything and our meanings that we create of, if this happens to me, that means that this, right? That they're Mm -hmm. wrong. And also there's something wrong with me. And it's amazing that we get so hooked into these meanings and we live our life by meaning and not by truth. And so for me, that was the number one biggest one. I love that it it can take you through the whole journey for a full year, but it really does rewire your brain and wake you up to, I have created all of these judgments and these judgments have imprisoned my mind and have created limitations on what I am here to do what I'm free to do. And you start to realize once you realize the judgments you have on the world around you and yourself, you start also simultaneously begin to open up to what have I been missing out on? And Mm -hmm. so that to me was, I would suggest anybody to read that. That's the biggest transformative one. And I love that it's, it's not highly marketed, you know, and it's not, it's not a religion. It's not anything, right. It's just an awakening of what is possible and what limitations have we been living within? So that is one. And then I don't know what else I really, I really help. I'm just trying to look at my books back here, but what's, what was the biggest for me is realizing that we are able to sense it, right. That we don't need to run to, um, a guru and there's no specific modality really that is one size fits all just like there's no diet that works for everybody there's no religion that works for everybody there's not even a school a type of school that works for everybody right you can do homeschooling regular school unschooling christian schooling whatever right there's a variety in whatever you choose so realize that you will always be guided to what is of the highest and the best 
and the next step for you. And so, yes, I can suggest certain things, but I really suggest that people just ask for the guidance and believe that it will come to them. And all of a sudden it will be in conversation. Somebody will say, have you heard about this book? And then all of a sudden you're like, there it is. That's the next best step for me. I'll go there. Perfect. Sorry, they are um, doing some construction next door to me and it sounds like they're right above me right now. Um, (laughs) We're in a construction zone too. I'm surprised. It's actually pretty quiet today, but they're building like crazy around us right now. Um, Where can people find you online? the best place is my website, which is rachelpoffinroth.com, kind of hard to spell, or on um, Instagram. I do weekly lives, like Q&A lives, um, every mm-hmm. Tuesday at 1, so that's right away. And also on Instagram, I offer on my reels daily high vibe moments. So that's just one minute long, just to keep continuing to calibrate you to what is the truth. And so it's just little moments where it will ask you, you know, do you realize how, what a powerful creator you are? And then I'll do a really quick, tiny teaching, right? Cause you only got one minute and that will help people and set a daily intention. And that will help people as they go through their day, just to look at life just slightly differently. So either Instagram at Rachel, uh, yeah, Rachel Poffenroth or my website, rachelpoffenroth.com. Those are the two best places. I mean, I am on YouTube. That's where we post the replays of our, my weekly lives. And I am on Facebook. I am, you know, kind of everywhere. My kids are trying to get me into doing TikToks and I'm not sure about that yeah. world, but <laughs> you can literally find me everywhere. So Good. Yeah, it's I, easy. Just got to get the spelling of the last name, right? <laughs> perfect. I'll post it in the show notes too. Perfect. But thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate you jumping on and sharing, sharing your story. Wonderful, Jen. Thank you so much for having this space that I can share it. I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much for jumping on and listening to another episode of Jam with Jen. To connect with me more, head over to Instagram at Dr. Jen Forstner. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day.